Podcast World, what's up? Chad Belling back at you, another episode. This life ain't for everybody. Hope y'all are enjoying the guests lately. We've had a bunch of good ones. Today's episode is no different than any of the other ones you hear. It's brought to you by our friends, Lynchburg, Tennessee, the one and only Jack Daniels. Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking, but let Jack be there for you. He was there for me this week, and I was having a little nostalgia talk, a heart-to-heart with a buddy about what what our lives have transcended into since we graduated high school. And I'm not going to say the year because my guest today was like literally born like the year or year year before I was graduating high school. So I'm older than this cat, but he's, he's pretty seasoned. But Jack Daniels. I've enjoyed it in every state in the United States, all over Canada, South America, Europe. It's popular all over the world. And there's a reason for that. There's nothing like Jack Daniels. So thank you, Jack Daniels, for believing in our brands and supporting conservation in the great outdoors and everything that our heritage and lifestyle stands for. Today's guest is on a roll right now. I've heard a lot of rumors. I've met this man once in person. He is an absolute, uh, let me think how to say this. Like he can control a room. He will tell a story, get everybody hooked in. And then like when he's done telling the story, people will be like, well, what does that have to do with today? He goes, nothing. I just wanted to make sure that I told that kind of story today. Is this sound kind of right with the way that you like get into a crowd? This is Travis. Denning, he is hot as heck right now in the music scene. We're going to talk about his chart-topping number one song after a few that took the world record for how many weeks to get to number one. We're going to discuss it all. The man is on a roll. He can. His voice is awesome. He's as country as a biscuit. But the thing I like about him the most, which I haven't seen a lot of and I can't wait to, is that he's like Jerry Reed on the freaking guitar. Now that might be a big name to compare you to, Travis. But is that who? That's that's that like just made me happy as hell. That's like one of the nicest things anybody. I said about my guitar playing man. but it's not is it's a legit guitar playing when i mention your name to some folks i know they're like man that dude can sling it are you i always like to talk about jerry reed because a lot of people my age watched him on some adam sandler movies this you know all of the all of the Smokey and the bandit and all of that kind of stuff growing up eastbound and down they were he was known as a character a singer but there's proof out there that this dude is as bad as you can possibly get like bad as in a good way on a guitar right Right. I mean, well, you know, he had a he had a record that was uh, half songs and half just instrumental. And I think it was actually called Half Pick and Half Singing. And, dude, there's a song on there called Nervous Breakdown. It's the last track on that record. And it's I mean, I tell people all the time between him and Chet Atkins, those will go down as the two greatest country music guitar players in the history of country music. And like you said, everybody just thinks of, they think of Sean, like they think of that Jerry Reed, the goofy, like funny storyteller, hands down, probably one of the best right hands, like just best picking hands in guitar playing history. Was it him and Chet that was on that famous YouTube video? Say what now? Is it him and Chet that are going back and forth on that famous YouTube video when he absolutely shows him up? It might have oh, been. Yeah. I've heard people say it might have been scripted that way, but that was him and Chet Atkins, right? Oh, yeah. Like him and Chet like played a ton together. There's actually another great YouTube video of him and Glenn Campbell doing uh, Guitar Man. And it's actually like the only electric full band version of that song because the recorded version was just acoustic. And I mean, dude, just to see him and Glenn go back and forth, like him and Chet going back and forth in those old videos. I mean, it really puts perspective on like how stupidly 
talented and a master of guitar playing Jerry Reed was. I mean, when I listen to him, man, I get, I get giddy. And, you know, it's funny, and I'm self-admitting that I found that part of him later in life because I got caught up in the what you just did, the impersonations and the, his faces and his characters. Like, kind of the same way that um, I, I found John Prine late in life. I was introduced to him later in life. I was always the outlaws and, you know, the David Allen Coes. And, but then I got introduced to Prine like 15 years ago and just – the way he wordsmiths. And then when I saw Jerry Reed do what he did with the guitar, I'm a huge Guns N' Roses fan, so I'm always like, Slash is the greatest of all time, which he is amazing. Right. right. But, dude, Jerry Reed is unbelievable. So I'm glad that you validated that for me. But you... Sorry about that. You mentioned something a couple minutes ago before we started recording. I wanted to hit record before we get into this. You know, there's that mentality out there like... Man, I've been watching Travis Denning since he was in the small clubs in Georgia. You know, like I've heard people say, man, I was watching Eric Church in Baton Rouge when there was nine people in the room. Everybody wants to have that, like, that ability to say, I discovered somebody, right? You didn't discover him. You were just lucky enough to be there that night. You might have supported him or her. Right. But then you you said something that sparked something to me. You said, you know, I wanted to be that country boy that had a country ass hat that nobody else had. And I I'm that way in my life that when I when I get to put on like a shirt that I have still from like a nineteen ninety-three Iron Maiden concert, I was like, Man, this is so awesome to still have this and nobody else is ever gonna probably put that shirt on again. I have like a nineteen ninety-three Dustin Bones Guns N' Roses shirt that's just rattled, right? Just tore up. But like people have that mentality, right? Like they want to be the first they want to be the only so when you do find a cool hat like i know a lot of people wear this hat that i'm wearing in nashville and it's uh, it's very evident there but when you come out west where i'm from everybody's like well what's revival that's a badass hat what's revival so it's kind of like a conversation starter you know what i'm saying yeah 100 i mean dude that's like that was kind of why i started wearing the bass pro hat early on and why i wore it so long was i mean er obviously everybody in the world can go get a bass pro hat but I felt like in Georgia and stuff like that, I was like, I want to rock that. I'm not seeing anybody wearing that. Like they're all trying to wear these, like, you know, they, they wear team hats. It was like when I was coming up just playing bars, everybody wore a Georgia hat or a Braves hat or something. I was like, well, I don't want to do that. Like I want to wear something that's a little bit more like kind of a little bit more me, although I am a huge football fan, you know, and like just even this hat we were talking about, like, I just literally was like, you know what? I want to get some old school tactical patches just like put them on some blank hats. And that's literally what this is right here. And like, I, I don't know, it's, I wore it today. I was writing a song this morning with two buddies and I walked in and my friend was like, where did you get that hat? And I'm like, I can't tell you because I'd have to kill you. You know, I was like, <laughs> and I told him, I was like, I freaking made it, dude. I just thought it was cool, you know, but that's like, like you said, I think that kind of mentality, like usually hopefully breeds cool things out of people, like good creativity, good songs, cool hats, cool shirts, you know I mean? Whatever it is, like, that's how all me and my buddies thought, you know, is like how to have the cool hat, the cool looking gun, how to make your truck look better than everybody else's. Like, it's just that mindset. Yeah. I like to be different too. I like to have things that are like more sentimental to me. So if I was in Nashville and I went to, I went to the tin roof or wherever and, and watched revival on a Tuesday, I wanted to like remember that moment, you know, because I've had so many great conversations with guys like yourself or Lee Lofton or Drake, like all the guys that I've been lucky enough to have around those moments in Nashville to where 
if you would have told me that I would be spending seven to eight weeks a year in Nashville at this time in my life, when I was your age, I'd have been like, you're crazy, man. I, I'm, I'm in the construction industry. I'm, I'm peddling portable toilets. I'm a toilet pumper. I, you know, that's what I was doing before we started the hunting companies. And now like that, you get to these experiences to where you're like, man, I want to hang on to that. So I want to find something that's people are like, well, let's go over here and eat at this restaurant. I'm like, no, I want you to take me to something that is only here. Like it means something to this place. So when I can go to Hattie B's or if I'm, if I'm in a, a certain location in the country, I'll be like, I want to go somewhere that is only here. That is something that I don't want to go to Olive Garden because you can go there whenever, right? Or I don't want to go to Applebee's. So that's kind of like that mentality of nostalgia. And that's what I think where I'm going with that Travis standing is songwriting is that it's about finding that flow of like a story that you can tell in three and a half minutes max, unless you're free bird and Van Zant, and you can keep their attention for nine or 10 minutes. That is a talent. And I all, when I talk to people like you, I'm always like, you guys make it look easy. Like you just said, ah, I was writing a song with a couple buddies. It's a really cool science and talent. Is there a science to it? Oh, totally. And you know what it really is? I think it's just, it's just a craft to it. And everybody does it differently. Everybody goes about it a million different ways. I think what's important is as a songwriter, find exactly the things that you do great because they are going to be different from everybody and just make those as good as possible. You know, I feel like somebody like, you know, like Hardy, who's a great friend of mine. I mean, he, he writes a subject matter really well and probably better than just about anybody right now. And that's like writing about where he came from, like redneck stuff, like really painting those pictures. And then someone like uh, Tom Douglas, who's just a hall of fame songwriter wrote the house that built me and, you know, uh, run to you by lady a, like just, he had, a, he had a way of painting a picture, painting a moment, painting a feeling of somebody trying to talk to somebody and tell a story. And it's like every individual just finds what they do best. You know, for me, um, you know, it's kind of like, I just go back home. That's what I do. Like in my head, I try to go back home and I try to write a song that I can fit where I come from in that three and a half minutes. And whether that's a love song, whether it's a, you know, a hometown song, just talking about where I come from or kind of both. That's always been my best route is like, go back to 18 years old, 19 years old, 20 years old, living where I lived, doing the things I did, the memories I made that shaped all those stories I wanted to tell once I got up here. That's always been my best way of kind of finding the stories, the songs, the music, everything. So would it be safe to say that you love beer? Because when I listen to a lot of your music now, you go back to those bonfires, not bonfires, but country nights where it might be a campfire. It might be a bonfire. It might be something to where there's a cold one. People, um, celebrate over a cocktail as long as you don't abuse it a cocktail cold beer it's a big part of country music you heard who we're sponsored by here it's a big part of our our society as long as it doesn't take control of your life where before i, I got a one songwriter i want to ask you about after you answer this but is is that a big part of it do you love celebration do you I, i've heard this rumor about you too you're never in a bad mood. You don't get angry. You love being optimistic and happy and forward thinking focused. You're always bringing other people up. Is that your upbringing Were your mom and dad free spirits? Were they rednecks? Were they hippies? Were they, did, was it always just like, Hey, Travis, we're happy, but be alive kind of attitude. Where does that come from? And where did beer fit into that? Because after there's a lot of songs in your, in your library that are about beer, right? Yeah. Well, I, to start with the overall thing is, I mean, it totally comes from my parents. I mean, I've got two of the most supportive parents in the world. 
Uh, they're still married. They're literally just like literally living their best life. And I hate that. I hate that saying, but it is true. Like, dude, they're just like enjoying each other. Like they're enjoying, you know, watching my career grow. They're enjoying watching my sister's career and family grow and all that. And my parents were supportive. You know, my dad, my dad was a hundred percent the dreamer kind of mentality. He was the guy that was like, really put me on to music, really kind of just, you know, in high school was like, you're going to make money playing guitar. Like that's what's going to happen. Like I, and, and it was just because he saw it in me. He saw my passion. He saw that drive. My mom had the same mentality, just a little bit. She, you know, she kind of comes from a realistic background. She can't, you know, that's what she worked on. She was a contracting officer in the United States Air Force. Like she wrote contracts, you know what I mean? So she thinks from, Yes, you're going to make it. So, like, here's what you need to do to get to that point in these little steps. And it was kind of a combination of both those things that kind of fueled my positive motivation. Like, just that mentality of, like, I mean, it's so easy to get pissy and mad at stuff. And and I definitely have my moments. But if it don't, if it's not going to matter when the world's ending one day or or when life is over, then it probably doesn't really matter right now. And that's kind of been my my mindset, man. It's like, I just, I'm having too much fun in life right now, you know? And as far as the beer, in my opinion, beer is the elixir of the South. Like when I think about the memories that I write songs about the good and the bad, everything, there was probably, there was like a cold beer open in that moment. And I think for me, like you said, the celebration of, I mean, and, and definitely Jack Daniels, I'm a tequila guy too. So Jack Daniels tequila beer, to me, it's camaraderie, which is exactly the same reason that I think duck hunting is the, the best memory-making hunt there is because the days that you don't even fire off a shell are still some of the greatest because you're in a blind with your best friends goofing off. You know, you might have stayed up all night telling stories and having fun. And so I don't know. I mean, I think for me, that's why a lot of my songs revolve you know, they got a cold beer cracked somewhere in there because I think about those times and I I love looking back on those moments of camaraderie and stuff. Yeah, I think I think as far as life goes, that that's really what we're striving for. And that's all we really have is that whether you're a billionaire that's on a yacht or a janitor that's whistling Dixie and sweeping a hallway at a high school, the memories that you have to look back with, whether it's a photo album or a story or a book or a journal or whatever – the, and yeah, it's cool to see how seasoned you are at a young age of you're 18 years younger than I am. So that means that you're 20, what, 28 right now? 27? 27. Yeah, I'll be 28 in December. 27 years old and you're that seasoned and that is, has a lot to do with your upbringing and the way that you were allowed to, to kind of shape your life and cultivate your life and be like, Hey, I can, I can do this. I can become this. I can become passionate enough about the guitar to where I'm going to have the belief and the support of my family, my mom and dad, my sisters. But now it's gotta be, it's gotta be almost a pinch myself feeling every day because to, to break as an artist, to get a number one hit, to write number one hits, to be able to sell out a 5,000 seat theater, to be able to open for some of your heroes growing up, you almost got to be pinching yourself because the humility has to set in of like, what the heck is going on? Yesterday I was drinking a cold beer with buddies and now I'm literally living my dreams out. And you've been, you were putting music out at 19, 20 years old. It hasn't been that long ago. And now you're a broken art, not broken, but you broke. And now you're climbing the, every rung that there is in the country music industry. 
Yeah, it, it's so wild, man. Like, and, and specifically, I'll tell you when, when after a few went number one um, that weekend, uh, I was in my hometown. I was in Warner Robins. I was visiting my sister and my brother-in-law and, and all that. But I kind of also lined it up like one of my, my, my best friend in the whole world uh, still is today since chemistry class. You know what I mean? Um, he lives up in Murfreesboro now, uh, just south of Nashville. So we still see each other a lot. And he's in the air guard. So once a month, he has to go do drill. You know, you just got to go and sit there, you know, sit at the Air Force Base and, and, and do your duty. So it was a weekend where he had to go home. I was like, I'll ride with you and we'll just party Saturday night. Like we'll celebrate. We'll do a whole thing. And it ended up, we had a fish fry, uh, you know, had a couple of drinks with, you know, a good little group of buddies. And um, it was just nuts to sit there and like wait for midnight when the chart closed and it was official. And just to sit there in my hometown bar, that's like my favorite place to go when I'm home, surrounded by buddies that I went to high school with, you know, surrounded by buddies that uh, just... I don't know. I mean, we're my friends and part of all the inspiration that leads to wanting to move to Nashville and tell my story. You know what I mean? To write those songs, just sitting there at the moment that I had the number one song with all those guys doing exactly what you said back in the day, drinking beer and just freaking wishing and hoping and praying that it would happen one day. It was just the craziest full circle moment of like, I was so blessed to be able to have that moment with with my, my people that were there at the beginning with it all. And uh, it's just awesome, man. Those moments are like, they're so hard to explain. I mean, they're so hard to explain. Um, Cause you're doing something that, that like, like let's take Jake Grom, for example, the guy, throws a football good he loves to hunt and fish but he he was blessed with the skill set of throwing a football it's almost like the same of waiting around for a draft right like you're sitting there with your yeah. buddies and your mom and dad waiting for that phone to ring and have the commissioner of the nfl or major league baseball or whatever say hey you know we're taking travis standing in the second round of this it's the same freaking thing like you've you've made it to where i don't know how many artists have been chewed up and spit out by that town in the last 15 years since Nashville has become the place to be um, in the explosion of country music, probably in the late eighties, early nineties, it really exploded. Um, it, it, it's chewed up a lot of people. You, you didn't have it in the bag when you left Georgia to go there. You really didn't. It's yeah, not, I mean, it's not a gimme. So when you're celebrating that number one, you got to sit there and go, man, I got to relish in this because not many people get this. Or is it like being, oh, that ain't good enough. I got to get back in there and write the next number one. Does it take control of you? I've heard other artists say that you're just a spoke in this wheel and you got to keep that wheel moving. So I got to get in there and write. I, or do you, do you sit back and relish and get the toast to it? Oh, for this, it was like soak up every ounce of it. There's definitely almost every other um, kind of every other like stepping stone and cornerstone of my career that's kind of got me to the next level. It's probably been a little bit more of the latter. Like when I signed my publishing deal, like when I first moved to town, uh, you know, I signed a publishing deal, somebody was paying me to write songs. Like that was an amazing feeling, but I immediately, like I gave it one night and I celebrated and then it was like, well, let's go write hits. Like that was, that's always been my kind of like keep the head down, and don't come up for air until until it's time to celebrate kind of thing. Um, when I signed my record deal, you know, I celebrated. I spent three nights having fun. And then it was like, okay, what songs are we going to record? What are we going to do? Um, for me, though, man, hitting the top of the charts, just 
the like you said, dude, there is absolutely no gimme. Like, and and every step of the way that things have happened and good tours have happened, great shows, it's kind of like you're in this mindset of like, we're not even close to where I want to be. So like, this is awesome. Let's keep the pedal down. Uh, a number one song is just uh, that that's the first moment where it felt okay to just sit back and go, Holy hell, you know, I did it. Like I freaking did it. And that's, you know, I told my producer uh, our, our big push week, which is when we like think we're going to be number one. They're calling every radio station saying like, you know, play it as much as you can kind of thing. Pretty much by Wednesday, we, we had such a lead on the charts that it was like, I think everybody knew it was going to happen. And I talked to my producer that day and I just said, dude, I said, is this like nuts? I was like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm freaking out. And he texted me, he said, buddy, he said, it's amazing. And he said, and it's always awesome. He said, you know, he's like, the next time you have another one of these hits, you know, hopefully he's like, it's going to feel just as good. He's like, it's just a moment of finally being able to sit back and say, I won. I did it. And for me, that's what it was, man. And I drank so much beer for a week. It was just <laughs> insane. It was so much. I was like, I couldn't help it. I was just like, this is amazing. Like, it was so much fun. My girlfriend threw me a big surprise party. Like my parents surprised me. And it just, it was a, it was an eye opening experience because you know what? Every now and then you do got to pop your head up and say, holy shit, this is my life. And I'm thankful. And that was a, that was a good time to do it for me. I love it. Could you imagine like the career that I look at of, if I was a songwriter, maybe besides Dean Dillon, I think I'd want to be DLM. Um, when I, I watched when I watched DLM, David Lee Murphy last year in Montana, he did this little storytelling night where he told a story before each song, and he was with the full band, and it was it was unbelievable to hear the experiences that went into like the monster hitch, right? Like dust on the bottle when it comes on, you cannot help but go. That's one of the coolest country songs ever written. You just hear, and the, the biggest thing too is you hear burn out and you know it, right? Yeah, away. you just like, know it. And, and it's been 20 years, right? It's been, and to see him still writing and getting hits with Chesney and he's writing with a lot of these artists right now. Um, I don't know if you've written with him, but man, what a freaking career you have written with David Lee. Yeah, we, we've, written, we've actually written two songs. Again. We need to write more together. Cause dude, literally he's also just one of the like best people ever. Like dude, you know, you know, he had a, he had another hit for crying out loud, him and Chesney, everything's going to be all right. Me and him played a lot of like radio shows and radio events together. And dude, just to like, I mean, I'll tell you right now, man, just sitting there and like after a show, sitting on a rooftop bar in Louisville, Kentucky, that's where we were, and just drinking like some whiskey and him telling me stories about hanging out with Dickie Betts from the Allman Brothers band. I mean, I literally texted my dad and I was like, I'm doing the coolest thing ever right now. Man. I'm sitting on a rooftop with David Lee Murphy talking about Dickie Betts. I was like, this is nuts. And Can't like get he better. Said, he's just a driven dude, man. Like, and his, dude, his songwriting career has been insane he's had like 14 or 15 number one songs yeah it's when i when i when i see him and 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 what he means to the to the songs that he's written whether it was al dean with this i mean that was a I don't even know how big a hit the tractor was, but um, to hear that, how simple it was for him to wordsmith these things and what they become and what they mean to people i don't know like if he really gets it i don't know if david lee murphy dlm could actually sit down and go i wonder 
if there's somebody in Reno, Nevada right now taking pride in listening to Dust on the Bottle this many years later. When I put that song on, people just get a smile on their face. I wonder if DLM even gets what his lyrics and what he says on his songs, what they mean to people, right? And I think that that is what every songwriter the real songwriters. Okay. Like I'm very positioned in my, in, in, in my stance of, in my beliefs, Travis Denning of some of the music that comes out of music city. We're not going to go there. I have my, the ones I love and I have the ones that I just roll my eyes at when I hit, when I see, when I put on music that I take a lot of pride in and I get the reaction that I'm expecting, it's almost like when you cook something really good and you put it on the table and you're waiting for somebody to go, man, that's the best damn spaghetti sauce I've ever eaten when they're just saying that. But with music, I want people to feel it. I want them to go, who is that artist? And I want to see him right now going onto their Spotify or their Apple music and down. And I've seen it so many times with this foul life playlist that we have with the artists. I ask all their permission. Do you mind if I put your music? It's getting tons of downloads. We mark it on TV. Here's the artists that we believe in. And do you mind if we have you on there? And all of them say, heck yeah, we want our music out there. So when I hear, when that song comes on, I'm like, God, could you imagine if this duck hunter from Reno, Nevada, that's an average duck hunter, but kind of an, an, an okay freaking, you know, podcast or whatever you would describe me at. Could you imagine if I ever had the chance to ask David Lee Murphy, man, you mind if I put your music on my, on my podcast <laughs> or on my, or on my, on my playlist? Like that would be the ultimate to me because of the way his music has made me feel since the mid nineties. And that's what I think songwriters are trying to achieve. Would you agree with that? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, you know, there's always been this like, so here's the deal. I moved to Nashville in 2014 and in 2014 and for a handful of years afterwards, you know, there was this big movement of the bro country thing. Now here's the deal. I, I, I liked a, a lot of it. I mean, I, a lot of it was great. It was fresh. It was new and all that. But what came out of it was there was a, there was kind of this, um, this big like pressure kind of put on songwriters to like really have to deliver just like hits, like just radio, feel good, like don't think about it too much hits, which are definitely like they're necessary. I mean, every now and then you just want, you want a song that makes you just want to drink beer and not think about anything else. And I totally agree with that. Uh, now I feel like we're in such a good position that I feel like fans are really, really, like diving into songs that like take their mind somewhere, you know, and like whether that's to love, to heartbreak or like back home or, you know, to God, whatever it is, I feel like there's a lot of songs that are starting to be on the radio now that are the kind of songs that I wanted that made me want to move to Nashville. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's been this shift and I'm so excited for it because now that pressure of having to write one kind of song it's kind of off. It's now it's more like write the best damn song you can write. That's going to like really move people. And it, it'll it still have a shot. You know, I was super lucky and super fortunate that uh, Michael Ray recorded a song of mine uh, called her world or mine. Um, it, I mean, a total, like, you know, a song that we dove deep into kind of like every, every songwriter went deep into that one love, you know, that, that we could pull those memories out of, of just like one person moved on and one person just absolutely fell apart. And we wrote this really honest, you know, ballad, like a song that I want to write, you know, songs that I think move people. 
And I'll be honest with you, if I'd written that in 2014, I bet nobody would have even made it to the course. They'd have been like, this isn't the kind of song that's going to get on the radio. It's not the kind of song that's going to make a career. And I'm, I'm thankful for the shift because, dude, I feel like it's come back around. And, you know, Michael recorded that and he put it on the radio. It was a, it was a top 20 hit. And I just that's like that's the, the story that I want new songwriters who are going to move to Nashville. I want them to hear that, that like the song you want to write, the story you want to tell can have success. And it's because we got a lot of good, honest music, I think, that's like coming out now. And it's I, cyclical. You know how it is. I mean, it's it does this. It just sits there. And, but is and, there and, is there a thought, though? Is there a thought before I get into some songwriters I want your opinion on? If it's not country, why is it on country radio is my first question I always ask. If there is different genres, then let's figure that out because I think that it's very sacred to be able to write a country song that is with country instruments and it's mixed the right way as far as a country song in my opinion. But who am I to say? It's just that when I hear, and I'm going to transition into this, okay? When I'm standing in a pool or I'm having a beer on a Saturday and I'm loving life, and I hear a Brent Cobb song, okay? Everybody knows how my affection towards Brent Cobb's lyrics. Hey, I, same here. Okay, good. I'm glad you said that because him and Adam Hood and this guy named Leith Lofton, Drake White writes some good stuff. But the this 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 freaking Brent Cobb, when, when I hear Shine on Rainy Day and I hear, I literally don't know if I can hold back tears and I've heard it a million times, Travis. So when I get that emotional over something, my first question is, if all 150 people in my backyard are going, who in the hell is that? Did he just say what I think he said? Isn't that a good enough consensus of what people would really want to hear on the radio? There's no way that anybody in this country can be driving down in work traffic, bumper to bumper, stressed out, and that song comes on. There's nobody that can look at me and go, turn that shit off. That isn't a, That song is like that hard. So my question is, is... It's just why can't somebody take a risk on that style of song? And now you're saying that it's cyclical and it's coming full circle and it might be transitioning back to where that lyric is out front and that it really means something. Now, I understand the cruises and the tailgates and the bonfires and the hot chick with the Daisy Dukes and the county wars and all of these fistfights and, you know, that stuff is there. But there's something that to be said about a song that punches you in the gut and goes, oh, my God, dude, we're really living. We're living right now. And I, th I think that those songwriters I named have the ability to do that. Not sure you agree. You already said on, on Brent you do. But what is a guy like Brent Cobb? How do you describe him? And what does his, his, his songwriting mean to you? Dude, Brent, Brent Cobb can't even be described. I mean, Brent is like – so I, I've known Brent for several, several years. I think – God, maybe eight years now. And um, Brent is a great friend. Uh, we've, we've actually written a couple songs together. Uh, it's been it's been a hot minute. But, dude, I think Brent is exactly like, like you said, like just unapologetically Brent. And he's not going to bend left or right or up and down for anybody or for anything that he doesn't want to do, which is what makes Brent an amazing, amazing artist. And you're totally right, man. I mean, I totally agree. Like, when I think about the songs that drove me to country music, um, they're not, it's not always going to be Hillbilly Deluxe, which is a song that, you know, I love that song. Uh, or like, you know, maybe Church on Cumberland Road, which I've been covering for years and years. Like those songs, I love them. And, and they're a huge part of why I love country music. But the songs that completely 
pulled me in and never let me go were songs like, I mean, What I'd Say by Earl Thomas Conley. Oh. Um, I mean, you know, that Seminole. one just gave, that one just gave me goosebumps. Sorry to interrupt, but dude, Earl yeah. Tom, and then you said Seminole win by John Anderson. Seminole win. And then even, you know, kind of later on, I mean, dude, there goes my life by Kenny Chesney. Uh, it, like you said, like there, there are some songs that I can't hear with that. I mean, like it will, they'll, they'll hit me and I'll get emotional. And it's, I mean, there goes my life. Uh, life ain't always beautiful by Gary Allen. Like, dude, those are the songs that anybody, you ask anybody, like, what is your favorite song in country music? What song, like, means the world to you? It's those kind of songs. And I told, dude, I mean, we we just have to find a way that those songs get heard because they got it. So it's so refreshing to hear you say that dude, because your age and you're, you're on, you got to play by the rules a lot of time in that town that you live on in 16th and 17th Avenue, Travis, when you just mentioned Gary, when I hear songs about rain, I literally will go get in my truck just to be there driving around to envision what's going on in that song of driving around and thinking about what that girl made him feel like. And those songs hit me, you know, like if you came to duck camp with me in Arkansas, which you're going to me and my my buddy Joel Wicker will not go duck hunting the day after without listening to the entire Blackhawk greatest hits. And the oh, song, yeah. th- that, that, that album, that those songs, those guys did, which never get heard on radio anymore. I sit there and go, Holy shit. This is what would make, this is what makes me a country music fan. Like Blackhawk, nobody your age probably even knows who they are unless they're they ingrained know, like, like you. Song. They know like one song. That's like it. one song. Yeah. And they goodbye got says it all. Yeah, Goodbye Says It All with red lipstick on the mirror. Like that whole album, every song they did, even Big Guitar was like a trendy, like a cool song. But dude, I'm telling you, like when I hear that kind of music, I'm like, please let it do what Travis Denning's saying and circle back to where we can at least feel like this is achievable. This is what life is. What's not about a lot of the stuff that I call cubicle country that everybody's kind of just pressing these songs out. Take it, take it. Like you said, we got to get a hit. We got to get a hit. That's why when I hear Adam Hood sing a song about he's got a song called hell of a fight and it's all about where you're sitting right now on the day that he said I got to get out of here and move back I can't afford to be here anymore I'm shattered and that song is like man you talk about getting kicked in the teeth and figuring out how to keep going you know how you know how Adam Hood keeps going by pencil to paper and writing songs and just keeping his dreams alive that people like me or you are going to go good night I want to hear that again and that's what I love about songwriting Absolutely. I mean, dude, and, and just another, another perfect example of how it can work and it does work. I mean, dude, my buddy Riley Green wrote a oh. song by himself, you know, about just think just things in life that he wished were good. And, and it was kind of this weird, you know, denial kind of guy way of talking about how much you miss your grandpa. You know what I mean? And he put it on the radio and it works. You know what I mean? It's like, that's a song that like, people hear and they just go, I mean, they stop dead in their tracks because it means the world to them. And like, dude, I mean, and dude, it's not only dudes. I mean, there's plenty of girls that are writing amazing songs. Amazing. You know what I mean? I think this Haley Witters girl, this Haley Witters girl, Dude, she's insane. She's, she's so good. Man. She's so good. She was on the podcast and I just sat, that was before COVID and I'm not interrupting you. I want you to go back to that. She sat across this table I'm at and I'm like, holy shit like you are like you're a jam like right she's a jam she's dude she's a good buddy i mean she actually i think she still lives right down the road i'm in east nashville i saw her one day 
And I, she was like walking her dog. I texted her. I was like, do you live by damn Cleveland Park? She's like, yeah. But, um, dude, I mean, she's like, I remember seeing her play a song called Black Sheep um, that at, at the basement uh, for like a little BMI thing. This was probably like, God, it had to be four or five years ago. And I just was like, I couldn't believe it, man. She's so awesome. And this is, you know, this is a, it's such a great moment right now in time. I really do think that pendulum is swinging because Haley is someone who deserves a record deal. She's somebody who deserves a shot at radio and she's getting it. You know what I mean? She's, she like finally has it, you know, she's signed a record deal at Big Loud. She's got a great team. And I just think, I really do think when today's country music listeners hear somebody like that, I just don't think they can ignore it. You know, what I, I mean? do. That's I, I love hearing it put in that way, because that's kind of what I said about the people in my backyard. What is the consensus? If all of not if if the music sucked, they would say building put something on. But it's it's quite the opposite, Travis. It's like, how do we get more? Where do we get it? Because people don't even know how to get it. They're like, who's Brent Cobb? And I'm like, I get it because it took me moving, you know, going to Nashville a bunch and getting in this somebody inner circle because they heard it from somebody, from somebody. And yeah, you know, you know, it's just, you know, and, and the thing is too, it's like this, the mentality of, of kind of this newer, just in my opinion, just, just honest to who's singing it, you know, even if they didn't write it, I mean, I've cut outside songs, like we've all done it. I just want it to feel like it's Travis, whether that is the song that's going to gut punch you and the song that's telling something that sometimes we don't want to talk about, but we need to talk about, you know, like heartbreak and loss and those things. Or if it is in the backyard drinking beer, no matter what it is, it's just got to be true. It's got to be honest. Like it's just got to come from a place that I think, like you said, real people hear and they believe and they like it, you know? And yes. I do think it's coming back. I really do. Well, there was a thing back in the day to where you would watch a Van Halen video or a pop video and you would see this thing called sex. Okay. And it was always sold. It was the hot chick coming out of the water and country music, I think has the ability to, the girl is the girl and the boy is the boy. And it's the lyric that means something to me. And where I'm going with that is that there is a way to talk about how special a human being is to us without showing that part of it. And I'm not saying that that's never going to play a role in it, but the real part of, of a song to me is the lyric, not the video, not the visual, not the marketing behind it. It's the lyric. And it's cool to hear you say that that is coming back because Haley Witters is built on one thing. She's built on the lyric. She's unapologetic. She comes from Iowa. She does not care about putting makeup on to do a photo shoot. She is not afraid to talk about how she feels like she was cut in front of when some hot chick got off the bus in Nashville. When you, I, I just wanted to be able to pull that out of somebody of saying, what is really important about songs? There's only one thing. It's the lyric. Now, we right. started this conversation off with Jerry Reed. The instrumental, of course, is when it's the right instrument and it's played the right way and it's in the right place and it's not you know like i've heard of stories about people being at the ryman and bringing out mixers and bringing out things that you're just like wow man that wasn't meant to go that way you know it was supposed to be a freaking steel guitar night or something that was supposed to be a little bit more raw i just think that where you're on to this travis is like as you get maturing into this career if you can keep that voice of the lyric out there then there's hope for somebody like brent cobb because there is another artist that's doing it Luke Combs is blowing up and he's not your typical run of the mill pretty boy, right? Luke ain't no pretty boy. And when you hear a lyric about 
a Hooters and a number on a check and she picks up on the first ring, I promise you that that thought has went through every single person's mind in America. They just, him and Ray Fulcher found a way to like put that down there of, and that lyric it hits you and it's real it's not saying oh you got to see how hot this chicks was it was just a restaurant that's famous to america and it makes people perk up and go man i've been there i've actually thought what if what if i did try to do that you know Uh, yeah exactly no i mean tell them it's like it's just it's finding that right way of saying things and i think you know i think a big part of that too is like when there is an artist like luke who like he writes, you know what I mean? Like he is a songwriter. And that's, I think that's important with a lot of music is like there, I think there's gotta be a chunk of the artist in every song. You know what I mean? Cause I just think it comes off way more. I mean, it's just, and it's not even a, it's not even a thought process of like, it's not even a thought process of, well, they didn't write this. Or they did write that. It just connects with people when that person puts a little piece of them in it. And that is so important. So when you say this now, I want to go all into, I would just want to make sure that we're covering your career because I, I, I want to cover like your influences and like, does somebody like Brent influence you? Because I personally think he's the best songwriter in the country right now. I, I mean that, like I would put him up against anybody and I know that you know a ton of great ones too, but to hear you say what he means to you is awesome. Do you take your ability to write a song and are you living through a character when you write, when you write this song that was like your first smash, the David Ashley Parker, is that, I know a a country music magazine would interview you and go, well, was that your alter ego or where I just want to know, where are you? Do you walk into a room and a co-write and say, I got this idea about this dude I dreamed about this. How, how do you turn this song that, that that's a long song title. The entire song titles, David Ashley Parker from powder Springs. Is this a real person? How does a song like this pop into your head? And how do you make everybody that's listening to country radio feel like they know him? Because I feel like I know the dude, everybody knows one of these guys. And is that what you were trying to get through with it? Dude, honestly, that song is, like a hundred percent autobiographical because my fake ID that I actually had was Ashley David Parker. And he was from Powder Springs, Georgia. The only thing I changed in that song was I put David as the first name. Cause it just kind of sang better. And cause I was like, David is a guy's name. Like Ashley's both. I was like, it might get confusing, but dude, I mean, I walked into the room with Jesse Alexander and John Randall, who are two insanely talented songwriters um, and I just said, I said, dude, I've always wanted to write a song, the story of like my fake ID and like that little snippet in time when you needed a fake ID. And I want the name of the song to be what mine was. And so we just did our best to go like, how do we tell the fake ID story? Okay. Everybody's story with a fake ID is the same. You know what I mean? With a few things change. It's like, you had a fake ID because you wanted to buy beer or you wanted to get into the bar before you were 21. Like that's why you had a fake ID. So it was like, how do we make it super specific to me, but people hear it and they go, Oh, that, you know, that was me. Or that was my buddy, Michael, who had the fake ID. And that was the mindset. And for me, dude, everything in there was a hundred percent true. Like of just like getting the ID, using it, all that stuff. And, uh, it's just awesome when you can be specific to what happened in your life 
and it it resonate with other people because it just what does mom what does mom say when she hears it for the first time dude dude mom and dad had a couple beers with david ashley parker you kidding me <laughs> we'd, go, we'd go to longhorn steakhouse before i was 21 dad's like go, go ahead go ahead and give it a shot i'm like <laughs> Uh, no, they, I mean, they, I remember, I remember sending them that song for the first time. Like it was the day I wrote it and I just had the work tape, you know, just me and the guitar. I was like, y'all have to hear this song. I sent it to my buddy who found the fake ID, like all that stuff. And it just, I knew right away. I was like, I want this to be my first single. Like I want to, I want to introduce myself to the world with this. And I knew it was going to be difficult. Like I knew it was going to be, it wasn't going to be after a few. I mean, like I, after a few always felt like it would do well on radio because it kind of checked off those boxes. But I was like, that's not how I want to, that's not how I want to introduce myself to the world. I want to come out and say, I sing about stuff I grew up doing. I sing about real things in my life. And this is my first kind of Testament to that. And, uh, that was fun, dude. I, I, I love that. It's still probably the biggest moment in my show, man. It just connected with people, like especially people my age, you know, they're just like, like, holy shit, that was me five years ago or seven years ago or whatever. And it's a do, you, do you have a holy shit wow moment? Like when you moved in 14 to Nashville, when I started going there it was in 2009, you'd be standing in Losers on a Thursday night and you go, what the hell? And you look up and Toby Keith's with the band or Bobby Ritchie's with the band or you're over here at, you know, that's, you know, when you're first new to Nashville, you got to go to Tootsie's, right? You know, Steve's done an unreal job growing his brands and his properties on Broadway. So you're there and you're like, holy shit, dude, that's really Terry Clark up there just picking or, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you have one that's on the top of your mind that when, before you were breaking and before you had a record deal or even a publishing deal, did you have an oh shit moment in Nashville? I'm trying to think of like the times I saw, I mean, probably like one of the early ones was just like being at losers. And yeah, I mean like Brett Eldridge got up there and, and sang a song and that was so early on. And he was just huge at that moment. And like, we were just like, like you said, it's the, it's the movie Nashville scene. Like, just like if there was a movie about Nashville, that's what would happen. You're like, Whoa, this is badass, you know? And I remember seeing, uh, Robert Randolph and taking a shot with him at Losers one night. You know, Robert Randolph's one of the best steel players oh. ever. And I was just like, holy shit, this is Robert Randolph. And like, he did a backflip in the bar. I mean, it was insane. Like, he literally did a backflip in the bar. And I'm like, this is Nashville, I guess. But, you know, the biggest moment that stands out for me of just cool, you know, super awesome um, was at the BMI Awards. Um, they were honoring Kenny Chesney. He got the Icon Award. Hands down, probably still my favorite um, favorite year of the BMIs. I mean, I'm such a big Kenny Chesney fan, and his early music was such a driving force. And, you know, me being motivated to come up here. And Dean Dillon got up on stage and was telling this story. I'd always heard this story, and he he confirmed it. Uh, Kenny did. He said the first time he wrote with Dean Dillon, he was throwing out titles, song titles, all this. And Dean just stopped him and said, hold on, kid. He goes, you have to give me about five minutes to get down on your level. <laughs> and literally, he told that story at the BMIs, and I was like, that's amazing. That's the funniest thing ever. And Dean Dillon, Dean Dillon got on stage and, he and then he told a story, he said, you know, uh, he said, I got a call from, you know, Troy Tomlinson years ago. 
they had signed this new kid and he really wanted me to write with him. And Dean said, I asked Troy, I said, well, what kind of songwriter is he? And he said, and he sent me this song. And Dean Dillon sang Tin Man by Kenny Chesney, which, you know, Kenny wrote by himself. And seeing Dean sing that song, and Chesney is literally like crying, like his eyes out. Just seeing that, I was like, dude, that's the power of country music, that Dean is singing a song to one of the biggest artists of all time in this format. Just millions and millions of tickets sold, millions of albums sold, and he's using that guy's song to make him feel emotional. I was like, it's just mind-blowing, man. I really do believe... Was the gist was the sorry to interrupt before you go on? Was the gist of it that when he got Tin Man sent to him, he's like, I will write with this guy based on what those yeah. lyrics were? Yes. He he said he was like, he said, send me, you know, essentially send me some of his songs. I'll see if I want to write with him. And Troy sent Dean Tin Man. And Dean heard that and he said, Okay, I'll I'll write with this guy. Cause you know, Tin Man's just insanely great song and uh so country. It's times like these, I wish I would, you know. And um just that moment, it also proves one thing, dude. Like, I think songs don't really belong to like us. I don't think, I don't think after a few belongs to me. I don't think where that beer's been belongs to me. I think it just belongs to people. And like, I'm just lucky that I was there that day to be blessed with the direction and the thought process with my co-writers on any song to create that song. And it just proves that. I mean, Kenny wrote Tin Man and probably made thousands and thousands of people cry and, you know, drink a beer to it, maybe get over somebody. And right there, years later, he's getting moved to tears by a song he wrote sung by somebody else. It's just, there's such a magic in, uh, three and a half minutes worth of music, man. And it's that's just the whole a, theme of this whole conversation is what it does, what music is intended to do. Absolutely. And it's it sure just, is. it just belongs, it belongs to the, whatever is up there and it does what it does to people. And that's why I think music's just, I think it's the most important thing in life for a lot of people, especially for me. I mean, it's gotten me through the biggest times of my life, the toughest times, and it's made the the good times even better, you know, and that's what it does. And that's why it's important. Does Chesney know how you feel about him and what he means to your career? Do you, are you friends with him? Have you met him? Have you written with him? I, I've met Chesney, haven't written with him. I did have a song that I wrote uh, with one of his close friends that he actually personally put on hold for a little bit of time. And that was like, I, I like saved the email where he was like, Oh my God, this is an amazing song. But uh, no, nah, we never really talked. I mean, he just, he's, uh, he's awesome. And, uh, he's kind of one of those guys that I'm like, I don't even know if I want to be friends with him. Cause I like him being my, one of my big motivators. And it's like, it's kind of nice to like, at least have somebody that I'm like, I can always be like, he's up here and I'm down here kind of thing. So maybe, I don't know if he, if he, if he wants to take me to the islands one day, I'm there and I'm there. Like I'm gone. He's going with you. Yeah, come on. We're going to go. Great. But I don't know, man. I've, I've, you know, George Strait's one of them too. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. There's three concerts. They're happening on the same night because he was, the King was one of them. It's on the same night. You only get to go to one with your girlfriend, George Strait in Houston, Texas, Garth Brooks in 
Nashville at Brit. No, I'm not going to say Nashville. Garth Brooks in Oklahoma, where he's from. Oklahoma City, we'll say, or Tulsa, whatever the the, the venues are there. But it's got to be a big one because it's freaking Garth. And the third choice is Kenny Chesney at the New England Patriots Stadium up in Cape Cod. Which one are you taking your girl to? George Strait, Houston, Texas, without a doubt. Without a doubt, dude. I mean, and it's no, it's definitely no diss on the other ones. It's just like, oh, dude, it's George Strait, man. I mean, I, there's been so many times I've just put him on shuffle and I'll just drive. I mean, dude, like that used to be my thing. When I would drive home, I'd get to Atlanta and I would. Li- I had an hour and a half drive to get to Warner Robins and I would listen to George Strait for the rest of the way. George all the way. But you don't hear him on country radio anymore, which is kind of weird. The amount of money he has made the industry, the amount of money he has made songwriters like Dean Dillon, the amount of money that his voice has sold out tickets and merch and beers and parking and security guards and livelihood. You would think that him and Jamie Johnson, who is by far probably my favorite country singer of all times. I want to make sure that everybody knows what Jamie Johnson means to me. They wrote a song called Kicked Out of Country, Travis Denning, because of the, have you heard that? The one they wrote over text? I mean, why would they write that? I I heard that song like way before it ever came out. Actually, one of the MCA radio reps played it for me. And I was like, I was just like, I can't wait to hear that. Dude, first off, I think it should be law that every town should just have a George Strait radio station. Like you ain't going to find anybody more like George Strait should be played every hour do you remember do you remember like back when rock and roll radio was still a thing that a lot of radio stations would have a dedicated hour every week where they would get the lead out and they would only play led zeppelin like once a week for an hour because led zeppelin is like the biggest and most important thing to rock and roll like of all time probably we should have a george straight hour we should have a a straight hour just an hour an hour Straight, an hour straight is what it should be called. Well, let's start it. Let's start it. Let's go, dude. I'm literally so in. I'll host it. Call George and see if we can get all of his publishing. Hey, that, that works. Sure. Maybe Dean could throw us a song or something. You know? Oh, my gosh. I, I, I feel the exact same way. Of Even back the year you were born, I think, is when the movie Pure Country came out in 1992. And when I saw him playing Dusty with the ponytail and then he broke out to George, I was just like, I remember playing college baseball, summer baseball, going to Kansas on summer trips and playing baseball and listening. Firemen had come out in like 1982 and I couldn't go anywhere without listening to, to that. And you, you look so good and love and the chair and like the chair like who do you know who wrote that song is that a dean dylan song that's uh dean and um oh my god i'm losing my mind he wrote oh not harlan howard it was uh i mean massive songwriter hall of fame songwriter it's killing me now on two seconds i gotta look this up because he wrote the chair and Miami, Miami in the same weekend. Oh, a little Keith Whitley. Dude, okay. Let me look. I, you're killing me now. Okay, the chair. It's going to kill me as soon as I read it because I, I, it's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, my word. But, yes, he wrote this song. Dean wrote it. Absolutely killing me. Hank Cochran. Hank Cochran. Cochran. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Dean Dillon wrote the chair in Miami, Miami with Hank Cochran in like three days. Is Hank Cochran the one that Jamie Johnson did the album with all of his songs on? Yeah, he did a whole Hank Cochran tribute record. I mean, Hank, 
I mean, just literally. Is he the one that wrote that? Uh, that is that the album that had not, my first rodeo with Leon Womack and the Ronnie Dunn A15 and all those? Yes, had that's all Hank. Those, yeah, yeah, great, yeah, great. So right. he, so think about the mentality of two guys sitting there on how to deceive and how to decoy and how to trick a young, a pretty young lady into sitting down and getting a date with her and then lying to her at the very end saying, oh, by the way, that wasn't my chair. Like that, that was in the eighties. And that was like, that is so clever. So clever. So good, dude. And on top of that, my favorite line in that whole song is, um, can I drink you a buy? Oh, oh sorry. Can I, I'm can I buy a drink? Like the ner- nervous, he's like, nervous. nervous. He's like, it's working. You know what I mean? The pickup lines. Like, dude, that's, dude, that's just so good. And that's the, it's funny. Cause that's the kind of stuff that like blows by some people. And me is like me and my friends, the first two years of living in Nashville, I spent Friday nights just getting just hammered, listening to old country songs and me and my songwriting buddies going, Dude, they did that. They pulled that trick. They did like we were just so passionate about those amazing songs, amazing songwriters, and just like ho- like not even verbalizing how hopeful and how much we dreamed that maybe, maybe we'd get lucky and could do something like that one day. That's what we. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just it's my buddy's my buddy's got an oh shit moment in Nashville. And I don't remember if it was Earl Lee or Dwayne, uh, Dwayne, uh, is it Blackwell? They wrote Friends in Low Places together. And one of them was there. And that that is arguably the biggest, like, help put country music back on like the main map, right? Like, I I think it's for sure the number one, probably most important country song ever. Like, just like it did it, you know? It did it, right? And they were in, they were in Losers, I believe. And that guy got up and did it. And they're like, oh, my God, that's the guy that wrote that song, which, again, is so awesome in the way of the way that I think my mental my mental stride is. That's what that's what made Garth, those guys putting those words together about that tower and then the third verse that was added for the for the live. But but when people heard that song in the late 80s and early 90s before Rodeo came out in 92, which is a rope in the wind is my favorite Garth album. But that whole friends in low places like that got people my age hooked Yep. At rodeos all over the and then what he did with the album even before that of what he did with Chris Ledoux's career and what how like just songs just that lyric of God you know with Chris Ledoux in that song of uh long white Chris Ledoux yes women in do you know how many do you know how many people from like maybe the Midwest all the way to Tennessee and all the way to where you live and where you're from in Georgia had never heard of Chris Ledoux. He was a, he had never, yes, he was a PRCA bareback champion, right? And a cowboy singer of rodeo songs like Copenhagen and Copenhagen angel. And he had so Cadillac ranch. He had so many. And then all of a sudden Garth says this and it just validated him. And now they were doing duos together and stuff. Dude. I mean, seriously, like that's, that's an, I'm getting chills thinking about it, but like, I remember, like, I didn't know who the hell Chris Ledoux was. Cause like, I wasn't a cowboy, you know what I mean? Like, I just didn't, like you said, it's kind of like a lot, I mean, a lot of those great Texas country artists, you get introduced to them in roundabout ways. And like, you get into that kind of scene and that music by almost having to be introduced and whether it's another artist or a friend, but dude, I remember, yeah, hearing that Chris Ledoux, you know, by, by the time I was listening to Garth, like Chris had had some hits and some success. So it was like, oh yeah. So I went to it. But dude, I mean, the first time I heard um, this Cowboys hat, like, dude, I was just like blown away because I related 
to that guy holding on to something that was sentimental. Like you said earlier, like he's like, you could touch my hat, but you you're gonna die. Like I'm a and, that, and then the word and then the wordsmith and the descriptions of how you're gonna get your ass whipped. Is, yeah. You can you can rope. I mean, literally, you're gonna have a better chance of doing this than you are taking this hat off my head. And I'm just like, damn, man, that's that mentality of getting western. That is yeah. that is having the balls to be 145 pounds and get on an 1800 pound bull and get your ass thrown around a stadium like Jesse like Chase Outlaw my good buddy or like Jesse Lockwood's doing right now and what Tough Edelman did and Lane Frost lost his life Chris Ledoux was living that right he was seeing That's that cool. all go down and you mentioned Texas music I remember getting introduced to to a, a song called a song called uh, Mr Bojangles and I remember Sammy Davis Jr. doing it and I was like there's a white guy doing it. And they're like, yeah, he wrote it. And then I read the story about how Jerry Jeff Walker wrote that song after a drunk night in new Orleans. And he went to the clinker and he met this dude with, and, and then all of a sudden that turned into Robert Earl Keen and Corey Morrow and Stoney LaRue. And then this whole Texas music came on. And now I got a huge passion for Texas music and what that like Hayes Carl, I could listen to Hayes Carl sing songs all freaking day. This wordsmithing. Nobody's going to really hear that music unless they might listen to this podcast and go, man, Travis Denning just said something about country music. I'm gonna go check it out. It's, it's not very easy to find unless you hear it from somebody introducing you to it. Yeah, it's so weird. I mean, for me, it's it's very parallel to like a lot of blues music I loved growing up was like, I mean, you everybody knows B.B. King. You know, everybody knows who Steve Ray Vaughan is, Jimi Hendrix. But like you almost kind of have to be told and you got to be taught about uh, Robert Cray and even like, you know, Albert King and like Freddie King, like the other Kings, like just these this music that's really deep. And it's not the. And it's just because, dude, like no matter what genre it is, you've got your Mount Rushmore's, you've got your face of the music. Like we're, we all want to be those people, but sometimes we're not. Sometimes we're halfway up the rank, but we still have a great career. You have a great group of songs. And I don't know. It's so weird because I think people deserve success based off of how great their stuff is. That's just how I believe it should be. It obviously doesn't always work that way. And that's okay. I mean, it is what it is. That's like any industry. Um, but there's something cool, you know, because think about it. We find all these artists, Texas artists, like uh, for me, my guy, my number one guy I int- try to introduce to people every day is Chris Knight. I mean, I know you're probably a big Kentucky, Chris Knight. Kentucky. Yeah, exactly. Like nobody knows who Chris Knight is unless you know that corner of music. And if you know Chris Knight, then you know a lot of great music. But people who fall in love with that music, they're literally the fans for life. And they're the fans that buy tickets and shirts and records. And it, ain't, it ain't easy being me is one of the best written songs I've ever heard. Also co-written by Craig Wiseman. By I, Craig mean, Wiseman. How, I mean, literally like, like when people talk about Craig Wiseman, who is literally one of my favorite people in the world. I love writing songs with Craig. We've spent a lot of time together. He's just a good dude. They always think live like you were dying and get your shine. They think of like these big hits, which are, you know, he's had like 30 of them, but he wrote, it ain't easy being me. I mean, I know. that just shows how talented somebody like Craig is. Cause he, he can go write you a hit. He can go write you like a summertime on the water, feel good song, but he can also completely 
mess your day up. You know what I mean? And I, that's what I love, dude, about songwriters like that, man. They know how to do it all. I, dude, I love hearing you talk like that. I mean, I'm t- Texas music to me and hearing you talk about somebody like Chris Knight or somebody that like, if you got to go search for his music and please do it and listen to the, just listen to the trailer tapes enough and the freaking rope. river songs. Dude, enough rope. That's what anybody oh. listening to this, Go look up Chris Knight, Enough Rope, and you will literally, you'll be hooked. 100%. What about, what about, please don't, I just, you just, I put you on the spot and now I'm on it. What about the one about um, the shooting the gun? What is it? Help me out. He's down, he, down the river. How does it go? Is it about when he goes down with the 22 and he's plinking and he's shooting the cans? The one about, uh, Dude, I was dude. I was on a bus. I'm not name dropping. It doesn't matter. But me and Brett Cobb were on a bus, and we were singing it as loud as we freaking could. With it ain't easy being me, because Brent's a huge Chris Knight fan too. Um, damn, now I can't. Damn, I wish I could freaking get oh, a hold this of Brent. Me, dude. I literally, I, and this is not a lie. I listen to Chris Knight probably every morning. You know like who every- else does? Tyler Farr, like every day, like really? Tyler Farr came here to play a concert last summer to open our rodeo. And he came on the podcast. He just did another one with me a couple weeks ago, but this was his first time on. And he goes, man, I need a shirt. You know, Tyler talks. I need a shirt to wear to the gig tonight. And he stole my Chris Knight shirt. <laughs> he hey, stole it. Is it, uh, Oh, ain't got nothing on me. Caught a 22 bullet in the five Oh five. It's not about crushing cans, oh. but. That's a good one, dude. That's a great one. I mean, dude, I could talk about Chris Knight all day long. He is. Hold on, so- I'm gonna find it. I know I'm gonna find it. No, I'm. You can keep talking. I'm gonna find it though because I, I'm pissed that I can't remember the name of it. Dude, every every time I take the kayak on the Harpeth River and and, and go fishing and, and and have fun doing that, dude, I cannot help but listen. Back down the river. Oh man, I mean, the, the like river's all. I, I, I work with Chris Knight's management to, I did this song on the Mississippi, uh, this video, uh, episode on the Mississippi for a duck hunt. And he let me use, uh, the river's own, um, about the mom and dad. It was, it worked so freaking good. Um, are you, are you needing to get off of here? No, no. I'm good, dude. Damn. I cannot believe I can't remember that it was, it's not river road. Blues go out, backwater blues. You got to hear this song, dude. It's dang it, dude. I'm I, telling you, I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna find it. But this might be the album right here. Highway junkie saying up a long time, broken. Man, yeah, I can't believe it. I can't believe his first two records. I mean, just and, and I mean, I love them all, obviously, but I mean, his first two records, I mean, the self-title and a pretty good guy. I mean, just like I mean, Frank Liddell worked on a lot of that stuff. And dude, it's just it's some of the most well-produced, easy, no bullshit, just damn good songs. And they, damn they just good. they put them on so well. He is uh, he is absolutely amazing. I can't believe I can't remember this song. Cause I'm an idiot, but when I think of it, I'll text it to you. As a matter, of, matter of fact, hold on a second. We're just gonna call Brent and see if he answers. <laughs> Do it. Might as well try it. I got I got a story though. You ever been to Peg Leg Porker? No, I haven't. But that's literally right by my girlfriend's apartment. You and gotta go eat it. Line out the door. 
Well, one of the original investors in that place was one of my buddies. So I used to go there all the time. Well, I go in there without him one day because he's got a meeting. I got an hour or two to burn. I roll it in there, get up on the bar. I'm sitting there and I asked this, this gentleman, I said, hey, can you pass me the sauce? And he looks at me, I went, are you, Robert, are you Robert Randolph? He goes, yes, I am. And I sat there and talked with Robert for like an hour. And uh, he was in there eating peg leg pork. He's like, oh, I come here every time I'm in town recording. I come here and man, that dude can jam. Oh, dude, he's awesome. I, I've seen him live so many times at festivals, and he, and he's a great festival guy. Like, like I've seen him play early. I've seen him play late, and he just gets a crowd fired. Oh, he rips. Festivals are tough sometimes, man. You get out there at 2 o'clock, it's hot as shit. People are tired sitting down. He'll get you up. He'll get you up and moving. Yeah. He, do you know Dean James Jr. that played with him? That's uh, he's, a, he's an artist in Nashville now. He, he, you got you to listen to him. I'll send you some of his stuff. He's strong. His name's Dean James Jr. Brent, ne- Brent never answers his phone. Hey, this is Brent. Leave him a message. <laughs> I'm going yeah. oh, to leave a message. I'm yeah. just going to text him and tell him to call me. Yeah, tell him, tell him that I said, hey. I, I saw that. Because sure. he's, he's living back down in Georgia now. He's been down there for a year or two, I think. Yeah, Literally, uh, my mom's maid of honor from her like wedding uh, posted a picture the other day with with brent he was like helping out his cousin and at a food truck or something like was just there or whatever and she was like i just saw brent cobb singer songwriter it was on my facebook i love it he had his hair pulled back i'm like hell i don't even look like Brent. <laughs> yeah he's got the he's got the ponytail rocking most of the kind now he does man i can't remember the name of that song i don't know if it's is it the damn truth i don't remember man I'll, hey, it, I'll tell you what. It's about being bat, about being bat, he's baptized by going down on the road and shooting the holes in the in the in the in knocking over all the cans with his twenty two. You can't. I mean, that's the that's the that's country is like you said. That's country is a biscuit right there, dude. That's just like that's the shit I love, man. Because it, we all got buddies back home who like that's their thought process. You know, what I mean, it was ours. You know, I mean, it is. It's it's just good stuff, dude. I have a road trip coming up. I'm driving to Kentucky. My girlfriend's graduating uh, this weekend, so we're going to go to Kentucky, celebrate with her family. And I got a three-hour drive, and I'm just going to listen to Chris Knight the whole way up, and then I'll call you when I hit that song. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get Brent to let me know sooner, and I'll text it to you because Brent's like – it's one of the most influential songs like that, and Brent says that – the he says probably the best country song ever written is um, – now I'm going to lie to you again – I can find this one quick though. I know you've heard it. What's your favorite Guy Clark song? Oh, dude. I don't, you know, he did a anyhow, version. Anyhow, comma, I love you. Yeah. Have you listened that, to that? That's so good. Brent says that like that, that is the perfect country and Western written song. Like David Allen Coe says, but he says that's his go-to is anyhow. I love you. Dude. I mean, there's so there, there was actually a version that he did of, um, Oh, what was the uh, – it was a, a Towns Van Zandt song. Oh, the live is to fly both low and high. Lay the dust off of your wind. He had a version of that that he did with Wade Bowen that was, like, amazing. So amazing. It's somewhere on, on the internet. The, man, I, I'm, I'm really disappointed in myself about this freaking Chris Knight deal. I, I – <laughs> I've been listening to Chris Knight, man. When I remember, I remember duck hunting in Ohio one time, and my buddy Walt played Framed, and I lost it, man. I'm like, because I was Framed, and I was just like ten years. I was just he was, and, then, and then the be- the best part about that whole song is just like he's like I was Framed, I didn't do it, and then in the bridge he's like 
I mean, even if I did kill him, I was pranked. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, even if I did gun him down. But I was straight, you're like, oh yeah. You're like, you're like every inmate. It's like I'm I'm innocent, I promise. I'm innocent. I pro- every 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 homicide detective knows that too. They're like, I'm yeah, even so- I mean, even if I did do it, like I was pranked, I promise. You want will you pick a couple for us? Dude, absolutely. For sure, man. If, if if Brett calls, I'll hold up my phone that he's calling. We might have to have an interlude. And I'll go right into digging holes or something. Oh, mm-hmm. golly. I do a, this is a, my current single on, on the radio. It's about beer, of course. So uh, here's where that beer's been. brother clay this is clay belding this trap good to see you man i'm trying to figure out if we could pull out these headphones but my brother's a picker hold on a second let's try it. can you hear me yeah i got you that's good 
My brother's a picker, so I want him to hear you pick. Can you pick? Just can you run something through? Oh yeah, I'll hit, I'll hit that solo one more time. That was a little loose on turn four right there, but something like that. <laughs> yeah. All good. Sounds good. Nice, man. Man, that's talent, dude. Are you uh, are you influenced by Johnny Lang, Kenny Wayne Shepard, some blues? You got some blues in there, man. You know, I, I mean, blues 100%. You know, I, honestly, I never really listened to Kenny or Johnny a ton growing up, which is funny because, like, that was right in, like, my time frame of when I loved blues music. But as far as blues – I mean, definitely B.B. King, I mean, was a big part of it. Um, and, and you know, a lot of that kind of Southern rock and blues thing. I mean, dude, I think I think Derek Trucks is one of the best blues guitar players of all time, even though he was in the Allman Brothers band. I mean, he's a Southern rock guitar player. Uh, and, his, 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 and his wife is amazing. Oh, dude, so, so amazing. I've seen, I've seen Tedeschi Trucks Band like 11 times live. I mean, when, she do, when she does Prime's Angel from Montgomery, and I love Bonnie, but man, when she does it, it's just on a different level. It, dude, it's, it's literally, you can't even, it's just lights out insane. Um, Doyle Bramhow Jr., uh, Robert Cray. Um, man, there's just, there was a lot of blues I listened to when I was like 16 years old and it, it's good stuff. Man, I'd love you to meet Dean James, man. He he can pick and harmonica and piano and drum. He's a he's multitask. He's signed with Bobby Ritchie. Bobby Ritchie's working with him a little bit, but I'd love you to meet him one time. But you want to do uh, the song about your fake ID? Absolutely. Why not, man? Let's do it. This is what's on the Cash week's worth of cutting grass from a senior in the parking lot. That faded ID looked a little like me, but honestly, it was still a long shot. So I studied every word, memorized every line, till I worked up the nerve on Friday night. Threw a case of beer up on the counter at a Circle K, and I became. Gaining as she conquered from Palm Springs, November 27, turning 23. Five foot nine, brown hair, blue eyes, Levi's t shirt, all American guy. Made all the right moves, said all the right things. Showed up with the smokes and about all the drinks. Wasn't who I was. Every now and then I got to be. David Ashley Parker from Powder Springs. That little plastic card, it got me in the bars, made me friends at the liquor store. Yeah, and I was a hit with the good-looking chicks every time I shot, I scored. From Macon to Athens to Daytona Beach, I was a guy that could get what you need. It didn't even matter how old 21 had a Georgia license. Said I was David as 
country pocket from Palm Springs. November 27, turning 23. Five foot nine, brown hair, blue eyes, Levi's t-shirt, all American guy. Made on the rhyme who said all the right things. Showed up with the smokes and about all the drinks. What I was every now and then I got to be. David Ashley Parker from Pam Springs. I was David Ashley Parker from Pam Springs, November 27, turning 23. Five foot nine, brown hair, blue eyes, Levi's t shirt. Hell of a guy made all the rhyme who said all the right things. Showed up with the smokes and about all the drinks. Wasn't who I was. Every now and then I got to be. In one of these days, I sure hope I get to meet David Ashley Parker from Powder Springs. How long? How long does it take to write that with you when you walked in after you gave him the idea? I think we wrote that in about three, three hours, three or three and a half. Did it chart? It went to top 20, right? Uh, top, it was top 40. It went to 32. 32. Uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's kind of that woulda, coulda, shoulda, what if. Like, you know, I sit there and think, I'm like, well, what if we went with after a few first and then we did that? But if you think like that, you'll go crazy for the rest of your life. Well, if you think like that, do you think Garth Brooks would be as famous as he is if he came out in country music today? Dude, who knows? I mean, dude, it's, dude, there's just, you know, if it's and butts were candies and nuts, we could open up a damn candy store. You know, it's like, <laughs> it just is, it's like, you can't live like that. It's like things have for a reason. Honestly, dude, I'm, I'm the stupidest, luckiest guy in the world to have a top 40 song and a number one under my belt. And, uh, I'm just, super thankful and grateful. So I don't, I don't bitch too much about everything going on in life. Well, man, I, I think it's awesome. Your mindset's awesome. I love the way you, you put the lyric first and, um, I don't, I mean, I don't know. We covered a lot. I really, I really think that that lyric you brought back to my mind about the chair today, you know, about, about drink you a buy, like it's so well, like just think about when they pin that the grins on Dean Dillon's on their faces, when him and Hank wrote that, they looked at each other and went, yeah, that's it. That's like, they know it. Right. It's almost like I was talking to Justin Moore a couple weeks ago. And when they, when he did this song that he's getting ready to may have a number one with, with why we drink, like when him and David Lee wrote it, they looked at each other and they just know like, that's it. They got yeah. it. Right. Dude. And a great story about that. Um, so Justin's producer is my producer and um, not a lot of people know this, but, but Justin Moore is actually like, he's been one of my biggest mentors in, in country music. I've known Justin for, I guess, every bit about six or seven years now. He cut two of my songs on his kind of don't care record. And he's a guy I try and talk to at least a couple times a month, you know, just text him and see how he's doing and all that. Uh, he took me on my first tour and all that. But when they were writing why we drink, uh, they said they, they threw the title out and Casey Bethard, who's one of the co-writers on it, you know, just stupidly talented, 
They said he just leaned back in the chair and went, because it's Friday, because it's Monday. And they were like, got it. There we go. We're writing that right there. And dude, yeah. like I said, David Lee Murphy, Casey, there's a group of songwriters. They just know how to say it, man. They just know how to say it. And it's uh, people like it's, me. Because it's alcohol I'm abuse. Trying, I'm just trying to get to that point. That's what oh, I'm dude, you're, you're writing good shit, man. I appreciate Real it. Real good. It's 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 nuts. It's a journey. I don't know if anybody ever masters it. I really don't. I think every day is a challenge with a song, and that's what makes it awesome and and, and, and fun to pursue. Well, let's uh, let's make a promise to figure out where you and Damon are going to come meet us. Thank Damon for uh, making this happen. Um, it's funny because I had your number when I first met you, and then all of us, and then Damon brought it back in. I'm like, is your number still the same? I met you, and you're like, ah, oh, I remember now. But and then you sent me those pictures of you and Banded, but. Uh, Man, congratulations on the career. I know your mom and dad did things right. It's awesome to to know that uh you got that phone call on that number one. That's a heck of a story, man. Man, I yeah, I appreciate it. Dude, yeah, thanks for having me on. And dude, if there was ever a year that I'm available to go duck hunting, it would be this <laughs> year. So uh we will uh we'll do that and we'll have a blast and I'll bring the guitar and we'll sing Chris Knight songs until we're oh, I wish Brent Cobb would have called me. That dude just he hates his phone. He don't he doesn't he doesn't do much, but uh as far as electronics go. When he when he when he hits me up, I'm gonna ask him what song we were singing. Do you remember what Chris Knight song we were singing in the bus that night with Brent on the way back from Tahoe? It was not it was Ain't Easy Being Me, and then he brought that one up about the twenty two and shooting the tin cans, and I'm like uh you're floating down the river. The brothers are floating down the river. That's the one? Yeah. Pretty sure. No, I don't think so. The river's on. I don't know. Down, down the down the river, but it ain't got a it ain't got twenty two in it. He kills the guy who kills his brother and all that. I don't yeah, think that's not it. <laughs> no, this, this song's about how he just goes out of his house in the dark, and what what really he needs to clear his mind is to just go light up the sky with some bullet holes. And yeah, we gotta uh, we we gotta get on the prowl and find that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna have Brent Cobb. Uh, I'll, I'll text you when I get it, but man, congratulations. I appreciate you being on. You want to, you want to head us out with your number one hit? Dude, absolutely. Let All right. Me. Let me do a little closure. That's Travis Perfect. Denning. Get his music. Now he is on the way up. He's writing awesome stuff. He's got it going on. I'm glad to know him. Remember to support the partners and sponsors that support us here at all of our podcasts and TV shows. Thank you, Jack Daniels, for believing in us. Please enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking, everything in moderation. Let Jack be there when you're listening to Travis Denning. Hey, Travis, one question. Can I, can I, and you know who, you know who we got, we can't end this without talking to the, talking about the one and only. Um, he, he heads up our playlist. He does all the mixing for me. Ben Ratliff. Is he, a, is he a cool cat or what? Dude, absolutely. I actually texted him. Uh, last night when you told me you texted him, I said, I, I, I told you that I only know Ben when he owes me money. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, no, dude, ben, ben is such a great guy. I've known him for years and years since he was working with, you know, working with Brent. And then when he was on the road with Ralphie May, he's just a freaking great guy, man. I love him to death. And we were, we were texting that we got to get out in the water and uh, drink some beer and catch up. So we're definitely going to do that. Yeah. Well, thank you to Ben. Do you mind if we add your music to our playlist? Dude, go for it. I, 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 the, the record label may shoot you in the face because they usually shoot me in the face when I do stuff like that, but just don't tell me. But I don't think it's a publishing deal. It's only on Apple Music. They got to go on. You're still getting the downloads on it. Oh, okay, perfect. Dude, I don't know jack shit about that stuff. Yeah, I'm not using I would never mess with your publishing. 
I love I love I love my music being out there. So rock it. Well, we'll be rocking at all the pool parties and all of our hunts. I'll I'll get you some dates for the duck camps, and um, I can't wait, man. Congratulations! This is after a few number one, and this is the world record holder for longest to chart without. Or it took sixty eight weeks to go number one. Uh, sixty five. Yes, yeah, the longest run to number one in like Billboard country music history. Wow. Hey, it ain't it ain't the record you asked for, but it's the one you get. So hey, it ain't easy being me. <laughs> should have said hello when I saw you out with your friends. I know I should have left it alone when I caught you looking. Little smile, little how you been, little touch, little reminisce. It always starts off in the city, but after a few drinks, it's always the same thing. We find ourselves lost in conversation at the bar. After a few songs, the kind that you hold on, we find ourselves leaning up against my car. Just out there, won't say goodbye, giving up that too. If we didn't want to wind up on the like we always do after a few home after a few we always take way too far where there's too much to resist we always make it way too hard Get a walk away after that third kiss. We'll pretend that we'll be fine with a stay in the morning line. Girl, it happens every time. After a few drinks, it's always the same thing. We find ourselves lost in conversation at the bar. After a few songs, the kind that you hold on, we find ourselves leaning up against my car. Just out there, won't we say goodbye, getting up there too. If we didn't want to wind up on the my bed, like we always do. After a few, oh yeah, after a few. Little how you been, little touch, little reminisce. We don't know how it ends after a few drinks. It's always the same thing. We find ourselves lost in conversation at the bar. After a few songs, the kind that you hold on, we find ourselves leaning up against my car. Just out there, sick about getting up there too. If we didn't want to wind up falling in the mind, like we always do. After a few, on after a few. It's always after a few.